want to, uh, I've been asked to step in for Pastor Brown this morning to minister to you, and I want to sort of uh, revisit an area this morning where I left off. So if you don't mind, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Philippians chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. The last time that I spoke with you in reference to this message that I am going to talk with you about this morning, was the 30th of July, the 30th of July. I made this notation, and there's a reason why that I made this notation, because it's a significant date. Um, In fact, the very next day after this day was a very significant day and a time and a deadly time for me. So I want to revisit this area. And I want to read this passage to you this morning from two translations. I'm going to be reading it to you from the King James Version, and then I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Version. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Paul writes to the church in Philippians, and he says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that The things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord wax confidence by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In the New Translation uh, Amplified Bible, it reads like this. It says, now I want you to know, believers, that what has happened to me, this imprisonment that was meant to stop me, has actually served to advance the spread of the good news regarding salvation. My imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become common knowledge throughout the whole palace, God and to everyone else. Because of my chains, seeing that I am doing well and that God is accomplishing great things, most of the brethren have renewed confidence in the Lord and have far more courage to speak the word of God concerning salvation without fear of the consequences, seeing that God can work his good in all circumstances. God can work his good in all circumstances. You may be seated. I titled this message the last time I spoke with you, July the 30th, which was a Sunday. I titled this message, God Meant It. 
God meant it. A subtitle I used for this particular message was, When God Pulls the Right Attitude Out of a Horrible Situation. When God Pulls the Right Attitude Out of a Hard and Horrible Situation. This morning, I want to go a little different this morning, and I want to share a testimony with you. Um, to use as an introduction to what I'm going to be speaking to you about. On the 30th of July, when I spoke to you concerning this message, the next following day, which was a Monday, I woke up 5 o'clock that morning. Matter of fact, it may have been 6 o'clock that morning. And those of you uh, knew that uh, prior to that, I shared with you about the new job and the employment that I was hired by a company. And so I got up that morning, started on my way. I was traveling the I-10, Katy headed north, 45 north. As I was traveling, uh, I spoke with my wife on the phone, and she alerted me that traffic was ahead of me. And I told her, yeah, I know. I, I'm running into it right now. So I hung up the phone with her, and as I was driving, I couldn't stand being in the traffic that morning. It's just that I didn't have the tolerance. I didn't, I didn't have the tolerance to drive in it this, that morning. So as I normally would do if I was in another area, I would, I would take an exit, hit a back street. Hello. Apparently, I'm not the only one. So I took an exit to avoid some traffic that, uh, that I felt like that would make me late. For, for my job, and I didn't want to be late. You know, I'm already you're on a 90-day probation that you don't want to be late. Hello. So I veered off to take an exit and go down another road and come up Highway 249. And I exit off, and, and I got back on. I got ready to get back on the highway. Highway 249, following behind another car. And all of a sudden, this car began to hit its brakes. And I said to myself, man, we're running into more traffic again. So I, I, I took a detour to avoid one traffic, one problem and ran into another problem of traffic. So I was sitting there in my truck when I, everything came to a dead stop in the road. It hadn't even gotten on the highway. It was just sitting on the, the entrance. No more than five seconds, I slumped down in a seat to just kind of wait. 
and about five seconds, boom, five seconds, I was reared in, reared in from the back, I was hit from a man that may have been traveling somewhere between 60, maybe 65 miles per hour. I'm sitting still. He's traveling at a high rate of speed in the traffic. He hit my truck, and I bounced all over the truck, and I was out. I was out. All I can remember that I was turning around and I heard the engine uh, running highly. And next thing I know, I was on the other side of the highway against the wall. And when I came to, I looked up and the, the back of my truck on one end was close to the back window. All of my right side was numb. I got up and looked around. I knew that I was, I knew I was gone. I knew I was dead. To make a long story short, the man claimed that he was asleep at the wheel. That's what he claimed. Now, I know that may or may not have been true because I, I fell asleep at the wheel and had a bad accident. But in these day and times, it may have been another situation that took place. I was put on a gurney, taken to the hospital. They strapped me down, took me to the hospital, and they, they asked me some questions about my health, and so on, et cetera, and all of that. And I had no, no health problems or anything like that. They checked me out. No, mo no broken bones. Uh, uh, I only had one uh, couple of scratches, one across both sides of my eyes, and a little swollen and all of that. So uh, after being there for a couple of hours, they discharged me and let me go. I missed work that day when after, af after uh, we got all of the insurance. And this is going to be real short, but this, this is a part of everything that I'm talking with you about. Um, left the doctor, went home, sat there for a while, and I said I, I didn't need to, to lose any days at work. That's, that's one thing I didn't need to do. So the very next time after, after, I, after I, I, through the night, I slept through it, a very painful Slept through it, got up the next morning, got dressed, and went to work. Went to work, told my supervisor what happened. He looked at me and said, are you all right? I said, well, I'm, 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 I, I feel a little better than I did yesterday, but I'm okay. That was the Tuesday. I worked for a couple of days, and Then there was a Thursday. They called me in the office, and they said, Mr. Russell, we're going to have to let you go. 
because I'd had a bad accident. Um, more than likely, I may have been a liability since I ended up back work the next following day. Didn't want to take any chances with it. You know how it goes. So they let me go, and I called my wife, and I told her, I said, well, I've just been laid off. Tuesday, I was hit. Almost lost my life. Now here it is Thursday. I've lost my job. After being laid off since 2015. You ain't looking right, saints. Paul said that I was in prison. And I've been here for a minute now. But something great, something miraculous is taking place. I'm, for some reason, even being in this place, I have a good attitude. Good attitude. Let me come back to the story. So one of the things I said to you, there are two things that will possibly develop when you are in a bad situation, especially when God meant, when God orchestrated. You will develop a, an ability or a certain attitude when you are in this situation. A certain ability or an attitude. Now, you know as well as I know that uh, everybody doesn't always develop a good attitude after coming out of a bad situation. Come on. Let's just be real this morning. And there are a number of us tend to uh, accept defeat after being uh, transitioned through various types of situations that don't seem to help you or benefit you. You, you, you give in and say, you know what, I just give up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can't handle this no more. I, every bad situation that comes along, it just seems like it does not work in my favor. Uh, Y'all hear me? Uh, but it's something when every single last one of those situations that you are going through, God meant it. You remember the story? Joseph and his brothers. And the thing he said is that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. He orchestrated. He put it together. He designed it for your good. Right? Are you hearing me? I hope I'm not losing anybody this morning because it... It took me a while to, to, to this marinated for a while. This was since July the 30th. <laughs> I 
So when it comes to uh, an ability, you will either develop uh, resilience, which means the ability to return to the original form and position after being compressed or bent or stretched out of place. You will either have an attitude of pessimistic, of being pessimistic, that is, tending to see the worst aspect of everything or believe that what has happened is, is the worst thing that ever happened to me. Or you will be optimistic. You will look at the best thing that is possible that could come out of this. What's the best thing possibly that can come out of this bad situation that I'm in? And it was hard for me to be optimistic about what just happened to me in the last few uh, years or so. After being laid off 2015 and, and, and then having for my uh, rate of pay to, to go down and, and, and I hadn't seen the, the pay that I was receiving, I hadn't seen that in almost 20 years and having to work that amount for, for six months to a year or so and then turn around and then get a job and then turn around and lose that job as a result of an accident. Defeatism. with a host of other things in between that were going on. Before 2015, I lost my parents, both mother and father, dying four months apart. Then having to take over their church and pastor their church for five years. And in the course of pastoring that church for five years, uh, I, I, I lost a little bit of everything. Lost my house, lost my car. Uh, we downed a little bit of nothing at all. I'm saying like I was doing all the work by myself at the church, cleaning the church, fixing the church, doing everything that I could probably, nobody seemed like they wanted to pitch in and, and help at all. My wife is doing everything. She in and out of the hospital because of her ailment that she's dealing with and, and all of that. So it was like, you know, something is not right here. Something absolutely is not right with this picture. But in this situation, I had to, I had to learn something very valuable, and that was the value of a bad situation. I, I, I didn't think that that could be any value in a bad situation. You can get any value. I, I didn't think, you, you know, I just, I just couldn't think. that. So it challenged, it gave me, it gave me an ability and it gave me a certain attitude because the, let me be honest with you, there's some folks that when they go through a, a bad situation, you know, they tend to, to give in to certain areas in life. You know, when you're under pressure, when you're broken down, some people resort to drugs. I got to have a hit of this, and I got to have a drink of this. And are you you hear me? I'm that I'm not playing with you this morning. I'm I'm serious. This is this the abs. I'm just the absolute truth. And I you know this. I'm not gonna shout through this, but I'm telling you that I mean a few times. I I had to have 
this and I had to have that and I and I was in and my my language wasn't so good at times and my thinking wasn't so wasn't so good at, at times and my my voice was elevated and uh, saying things and, and acting maybe out of character and all of that this because of the bad situation and and you don't want to be around certain people you don't want to be around certain people because when you're in their presence and their their company it seems as though they don't understand they don't want to understand the situation that you just come out of. And the only answer that they have for the moment that you don't want to hear is that, baby, just hang on in there. God will fix it. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, I don't want to hear that right now. I don't want to hear that right now. If you were where I was a few months ago, you would understand. You don't want to, I don't, you don't, no. Okay. So I, I don't, I don't, it was a, a horrible situation. Uh, when God is intentional about advancing his kingdom. So let me, let me just sort of transition us this morning a little bit. So when he's intentional about transitioning his, his uh, advancing his kingdom, you and the bad situation will become valuable information to the next student. Let me say that again. When God is intentional about advancing his kingdom, you and the situation, not just you, but you and the situation that you were in, will become valuable information to the next student. In other words, you will prosper. No weapon form will prosper, but you will. The process in all of this doesn't always look good. His power is at work in you when you're going through this situation. According to Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verse 20. His power is at work in you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He has begun a good work in you. Now, you don't see it for the moment. And you don't understand it for the moment. You don't understand the transitions that you're going through right now. They don't quite well add up. When you feel the stress from the process, which you will, when you feel the stress from the process, here's what you don't want to be. Number one, you don't want to be surprised. Brother, as Peter wrote in chapter 4, Brethren, think it not strange concerning 
the fiery trial which you are about to go through as though some strange thing is happening to you. Don't be surprised. God meant it. God is behind it. The same author said in the fourth chapter, in the 16th verse, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of it, of what you're going through. It looks bad. It looks gruesome. and It looks ugly. And, and you don't know how others will look at you now. They may look at you a little sideways, but don't be ashamed. You know how some of us brothers and sisters can be when some of us are going through stuff. You must have did something you didn't have no business doing. When it had absolutely nothing to do with whether if I did something good or bad. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so let's take a look at the attitude, I, I, I guess a good picture here, a good uh, picture of an attitude, a good attitude during, during a bad situation. Okay, I'm almost finished. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, I, I, I want you to see um, a good attitude during a bad situation. You know, one author in the Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Did he not say that? We've heard that a, a number of times. So what I want to do, since we all claim to believe in Jesus, then I want to, to go to a situation that took place in Jesus' life. And maybe we can get some sort of clarity and some type of understanding of how to have a good attitude during a bad situation and a, a type of ability to develop when you are in a bad situation. So let's, let's take a look at that this morning. So Matthew chapter 4 uh, basically is talking about his temptation. Now, I'm not going to read this entire passage but because you know basically what happened, okay? But I want to take one verse of this passage and try to make some sense of what we're talking about this morning. So notice what it said in verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That's enough for me. That's enough. You know the rest of the story. So let me take this one particular verse and hopefully get you to see the importance of developing a good attitude in a bad situation in this one verse, something that you may not have seen. So let's look at verse 1 again, and let's read it slow. All right? Walk with me. Then was Jesus led. Didn't say Jesus led himself. It says Jesus was led by the Spirit. Now, 
other words, he had no control of the situation. He had absolutely no control of what was about to happen to him. He was led by the Spirit, just like I felt the day I woke up, 6 o'clock that morning. I had absolutely no control of what was about to happen to me after I exited I-10 and got on Highway 249. Nobody told me that some dude, maybe about 45 minutes later, was waiting for me. Nobody told me. God didn't tell me. The Spirit didn't speak to me and tell me that some guy is coming out of nowhere and he's going to hit you from the rear end. Nobody spoke in tongues and, and interpreted and told me anything. I was simply in the dark about everything that was about to happen to me in a split second. In fact, if it was left up me up to to me to say to you this morning, I would have called maybe a friend of mine who was an apostle or called himself an apostle or a prophet and said, look, brother, I'm exiting Highway I-10 and I'm about to get on Highway 249. Can you tell me what's about to happen to me? Or do I have to wait until I get to a service where it's plastered on a board telling me to meet you over here? The Lord has a word for you. Now, I need one now. Before I get hit by this joker in the back. Wow. Okay. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit. So here's the first thing that I need for you to understand this morning about this process. Every divine process starts with a sovereign choice. You may want to write that down. Every divine process starts with a sovereign choice. The choice has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. What is his choice? His choice, number one, is that I am going to lead you. I know we sing the song, where he leads, where I will follow. We sing that. We sing it proud and loud. So he leads us every divine process because this is a divine process. In other words, God has something intentionally that he is working on behind the scenes that you are not constantly, you're not aware of. And it has everything to do with what he thinks and what he feels about your attitude and your ability. Because he has something behind the scenes that he is working on that you are a part of. But in order for you to be able to be a part of that situation, I'm going to have to put you through something. 
You're not going to feel comfortable for the moment. As a matter of fact, you're going to feel like you're leaving here. But it's, it's part of the divine process. It's my choice. Not, now, you have a choice, but right now, my choice trumps. It supersedes what you would make a decision to do. You thought your decision to veer off one situation was, you, you know, you thought that was the right thing for you to do, but you don't realize that this choice is mine. Every divine process starts with a sovereign choice. Notice this. The chain of events in every situation will let you know that God is the cause and he is using it to move you forward. Every chain of events. When you finally come to yourself, you will realize that it's every situation was designed to move you forward. Why? Because procrastination has set in your life and you have become comfortable with where you are because of defeatism. You felt like you had to stay there because of the situation where maybe it's God's will for me to stay here. I might as well stay there. Maybe it's God's will for me to just be like this. And, you know, you have, you know you've had some folks have made some bad mistakes in life. And because they've made some bad mistakes in life, they just feel like move forward. Look at, our, look at our, our community. Look at the corners. Look, folks who have made bad situations, they feel like they can't move forward. So I'm going to drink the rest of my life away right here. I'm going to needleize myself to death right here. I'm not going to do any better. The voice of the community is telling me that. The voice of family members is telling me. My peers around me is telling me, you're not going to do any better, so just remain where you are. Hello. Let's look at the next thing. So then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. Did it not say that? So the next thing is every divine process starts with a sovereign location. So now we have a, a sovereign direction which you have no control of, a sovereign choice, I'm sorry. And now every divine process starts with a sovereign direction. I'm sorry. Jesus led, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, into, into. This preposition into relates to a certain direction, and that's the reason why I'm saying that that's the direction, a certain direction that you have no, uh, no control of. Every sovereign process starts with a direction, a sovereign direction. Number three, 
He was led into the wilderness. Every divine process starts with a sovereign location. There is a specific place that the Lord wants to do something significant in your life. So he creates a choice, a direction, and now he has created a certain location, the wilderness. In the wilderness, it is where he chooses to process the beginning and the end. The beginning of the process and the ending of the process. The most hardest area of this process is the neutral zone. Remember Egypt, Israel leaving Egypt? You remember Israel being in the wilderness. You remember God had a specific place where he wanted Israel to be. And we all know it as to be the promised land. Well, God's sovereign choice was for them to leave. But in order to get a certain attitude and prepare them for the certain location, he had to get their attitude weight right and give them a certain ability in this location, which is the wilderness. The neutral zone is a place where it seems like you cannot depend on anything else but him. It's there where you have to learn how to wait now. Since you don't know how to wait in traffic, I'm going to take you to an, another area where it's going to be traffic, but it's going to be my traffic now. It's going to look similar to the traffic that you just got out of. The stuff that you just came out of. The situation that you just came out of. It's going to look similar. But I designed this one this time. I-10 was man-made. But 249 is God-made. I got somebody waiting for you. Are y'all getting this? What happened to me in the beginning put me in a neutral zone of having to wait now for a long time. And that dealt a lot with my patience and my understanding and my ability to reason.
A French novelist said this. He said, one doesn't discover new lands without consenting to lose sight of the shore for a very long time. In other words, when you take the transitioning or the choice to leave one place, you have to give yourself the permission that when you are going to discover new areas, that you, it's all right to release what you're leaving. And I'm going to tell you something. It ain't all right to a lot of us to release what we've been connected to all our lives. When God wants to move you forward to new places, new people, new ideas, you want to hold on to the traditional. You want to hold on to the past. God said you can't grow. You got a bad attitude. It's not right for the next step and the next level you're going to. You got to let it go. So I'm going to sovereignly make a choice for you since you won't make the choice of your own to leave. I'm going to put you in a situation that is going to demand you to make the decision that you voluntarily won't make of your own. See, the neutral zone is what they call a nowhere between two somewheres. A nowhere between two somewheres. Now I'm getting ready to close. Now this is the hard part. I didn't want to say it, but he said it, so I got to say it. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the witness, the wilderness, the location, to be tempted of the devil. Can I say something to all of you that are in the house this morning? There is a devil for everybody that's here. And that devil is God's devil. He is controlled by the God that you serve. And he, God tells him exactly what to do. I'm forming a test. You won't be the teacher, devil. Because that's something that old John needs to learn. You just the right teacher. I'm going to fix it and I'm going to put up the prop. I'm going to set the situation up. But one thing you cannot do, you can't touch his life. I want you to destroy everything around him. Take everything away from him. Leave him high and dry. <laughs> but you can't have his life. Oh, come on, God, remove the heads. I guarantee you he'll curse you. He'll curse you to your face. In fact, even the closest people tell you, 
God don't give up. Give up on God. Don't go back to church anymore. Stay away from them Christian folks. Always hollering and screaming about this and that and the other. They don't mean nothing anyway. They don't have anything anyway. Just leave. You sound foolish. You see, A lot of people don't want to, to take this. This is, this is a lot of understanding in this, but sometimes your worst people is a benefit to your success and your moving forward in life. The worst folks that you know, you want them out. You don't want to be around them. In fact, we teach our children. We tell our children, I don't want you hanging around that boy there. I don't want you hanging around that girl. That's a bad actor. Come on. They headed down the wrong path. And if you follow them, you're going to end up down the same road. Not all of that typically may be true. In most case it, cases, it is. Well, let me say this to you from experience and then from a biblical perspective. I never would allow my children to cross the street to play with their friends. And fear that they would get hit by a car. So what I always tell them, I say, well, have your friends come over here and play with you all. Yeah, yeah, let them. Let them. <laughs> you didn't have to say that. <laughs> but that's true. Let them, let them, you know. <laughs> and I had to, I had to have a change of attitude and change of understanding about that. You know, it's best that you teach them to cross the street with caution than not teach them all, not teach them at all to cross the street. Because the chances of them being ran over will come as a result of you not teaching them and not telling them the truth about the danger. But give them what they need so they can learn how to cross by themselves. The Lord, on the other hand, he doesn't keep things away from you just because they're evil. 
Lord, take this habit away from me. Lord, take this drinking away from me. Lord, take this smoking away from me. Lord, take this and take this and take that and take that and take that. And that all may be true. And that's, that's fine. But you know what? I'm going to put you through something to show you the importance of how to take care of yourself and appreciate your body, appreciate your mind. So I'm going to just let you go for just a few minutes, let you spin out of control so you get the answer and realize that what you are doing is terribly doing some damage to you. And not only you, but it's a domino effect that's affecting others. So I'm going to put you through this test. I'm going to let this thing take you to a high mountain just because it's, since you feel like you got to have all the riches and the gold and, and all of that, I'm going to let them take you to a high place and then tell you that all of this will I give you if you bow down and worship me. I'll give it to you. All the riches, all the glory, you could have. Saints, I want to say to you like Paul was saying to the church in Philippians, this, everything that one goes through is for the purpose of advancing the kingdom. You see, I'm thinking in myself, we should have had uh, my funeral that following Friday or Saturday. But instead, it left me here to encourage you to bring clarity and understanding to you this morning. That not every bad situation, a bad attitude has to come out of it. You don't have to be mean and hateful just because you went through a little something, people. You don't have to end up a little deranged or a little crazy in the head because something just happened to you and, and you don't have to be that way. See, there are some bad things that have happened to all of us. All of us. Some things that you care not and dare not want to share with anybody. But in what has happened, it's a message. It's a situation where you can use to encourage someone else. Your imprisonment is the gospel. It's good news. Whatever it is that's been holding you back all this time for all these years, it's good news to somebody else. How did you get out? Because someone feels like they have to stay in for the rest of their life just because they're there. But you're free. 
You live to tell the story. God has salvaged you so you can remain here to share that story with someone else. Being whether if you was a prostitute, drug addiction, alcoholic, or whatever the case may be, bad accident, losing home, losing everything that you've had in life, you work hard for, and all of that, you can share with someone else. It's good news. Can I say something to you right now? A lot of people has already heard about Jesus. You see, that was good news when nobody heard about him. But all of you have heard about Jesus. So that's no longer good news. Now God wants to use something else as good news. So you know what? The Lord has delivered me from this. He brought me out of this. He's cleaning my life up. Who did it? Jesus did it. God did it. I'm here to tell you this morning, there's no way in the world that anybody could have survived that unless God was behind it. That was my second accident. My first one is when I fell asleep. I fell asleep behind the wheel. So I want to encourage all of you. Have some resilience. Hang in there. When the situation doesn't seem right, when it's getting overwhelming, hang in there. Don't give up. Let God finish his good work in you. Let him work his plan out through your life to be an instrument, an instrument to someone else who needs to hear the gospel. Before we leave this morning, I want you to stand to your feet. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you right now, <clears throat> first of all, for your word, for bringing clarity and understanding to our lives, for helping us to understand that your hand is guiding us every step of the way. You are with us as you were with Moses, as you were with Joseph, when we are in our situations that seem so horrible. And I thank you that in our bad situations, that God, that you have a blessing for us. A blessing that is meant to be a blessing to others. So I ask you right now, for the brother or the sister that may be in the beginning stages or process of that bad situation or maybe in the neutral zone or maybe in the end of the situation. I pray for them this morning. That you are with them and that you meant it for their good. You mean it for their good. And, oh, God, I ask you this morning that after we leave this place, we go back to our homes. We go back to our own personal lives, the way we live. I pray that we will have a shift in our perspective. 
about our lives around us and about people around us, how we view people, how we look at others, how we view things. Let us have a shift in our perspective right now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let everyone say amen. God bless you.